1: Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. In today's show, we'll talk about China sets a goal for its economy to grow at around 5% this year. What will be its economic engines? And now let's begin with our discussion. China has set a goal for its economy to grow at around 5% in the year 2023. This GDP target announced in the government work report marks a significant acceleration from the 3% growth seen last year. CGTN's Zheng Junfeng has the details. The government work report says China
0: aims to expand its economy by around 5% in 2023. That will certainly lead the world economy. China targets inflation rate of around 3% for 2023. That compares to 2% inflation in 2022. That implies that the price rises will be demand-driven as the economy recovers rather than due to a flood of liquidity. China aims to create around 12 million urban jobs in 2023 and targets a surveyed urban unemployment rate of around 5.5%. The country also aims to keep its grain output over 650 million tons in 2023. Food security is crucial for this country with 1.5 billion people. China's deficit to GDP ratio is projected at 3% for 2023, slightly higher than 2.8% last year, giving more leeway for fiscal support. The energy consumption per unit of GDP and the discharge of major pollutants in China will continue declining this year. This is part of China's grain development effort. China will intensify efforts to attract and utilize foreign investment and China will expand market access, continue to open up the modern services sector, ensure national treatment for foreign funded companies, improve services for foreign funded companies and facilitate the launch of landmark foreign funded projects, said the report. The report has covered many areas of high quality development, such as green development, public services and social welfare, as well as support to private businesses, innovation, technology upgrade, rural revitalization. So the government is not eyeing short-term growth, but rather long-term sustainable growth through 2035 and 2050 when China aims to build itself
1: into a modernized country. And that was Zheng Fong reporting. For more on this, joined us on the line now are Dr. Zhou Mi, Senior Research Fellow with Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation, and also Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. So, Dr. Zhou, first, China is looking at a target of 5% GDP growth for this year. And to obtain that kind of growth, China needs to boost people's confidence in social development, boost consumption, and attract investment. So what do you make of that
2: i believe that when we are trying to reach that goal we have to make the people feel safe to spend money so actually that we know in the past several years uh, there are some suffering from the covid 19 and nowadays we have changed it to a new page so in that time we will provide more opportunities for people to get more income actually when people have more money they they are be able to spend more not only in the some goods but also in services so for that we need to provide better employment and that is one of the main reasons that we are trying to develop for the future because in the past we have paid more attention on something to do with infrastructure but nowadays i do believe that we have changed a little bit we have changed from that period to a time when people's consumption are more important. Well, for the second part, the investment is also very important because we are not only trying to recover from the traditional ways of development, we have to provide better support for the digital economy and the new services and also some manufacturing improvement. So for both of these uh, kind of factors, we are trying to provide better rooms for the different stakeholders in the economy to benefit from the development. Mm-hmm. Well, that is not only the you know the things that we can achieve in a short time. So 5% is uh, I, I think it's uh, gradually are, uh, not very high uh, goal for us to reach and in the meanwhile we can try to not only to improve the volume but also improve the quality and trying to do some adjustment on the structure of the development.
1: So Aina, so some thinks that 5% that's being talked about is actually conservative, so do you agree with that?
3: Uh, y- yes, I do, and, um, and I agree with uh, Dr. Joe. I mean, this is about the the long-term uh, issues that China is facing. Um, they're not just saying we're going to do short-term. That's uh, you know, <laughs> that would be the United States at this point. So um, let's see uh, the commitment to social development, recognition of uh, global domestic headwinds. Um, but you know, what does it do? It, it gives uh, Xi's new team uh, the ability to overperform, and it also puts a check on commodity prices. Which if they had announced a very very uh, aggressive number. You would have seen everything across the board uh, in terms of uh, food, energy, oils, you, you name it, would have just, just skyrocketed. So that's uh, very good. Um, you know, and there are, you know, significant uh, headwinds uh, out there. I mean, the, the U.S. Uh, political uh, posturing and things like this, uh, interference with Chinese trade, uh, slowing global development, uh, rising interest rates. These are all things that need to be uh, considered as well. So uh, right now, China has set expectations, uh, trying to keep them at a lower level, especially over the next uh, two, three months, uh, because you know it's gonna take a little while for things to uh, gain traction.
1: And so, Dr. Joe for the trade, we've seen China's imports and exports decline slightly by 0.8% year on year in the first two months. So what do you make of the external environment for China's trade and economy this year? Do you think the external environment need to be cautioned against?
2: Yes, when we're looking at the first month's uh, trade performance, mm. I do believe that it, you know it's a, a kind of like of the end of last year, because at the end of the last year we have observed a, a little bit of a downward trend for the global demand. Actually, it has some impact on the recovery of the trade of China, and also I have to mention that uh, especially in the first. Uh, several uh, months or you know the first quarter is uh, usually the the weakest part of this year on the trade because that is a spring festival and that is also just after the christmas of the western countries so the demand in those period is usually not very strong but when you are trying to look at uh, the rest of this year i still have some confidence on the increase of the trade Actually, uh, I mean that for a certain reason of the last year's uh, decrease at the end of the last year is because that the price of the commodities are dropping. So when we observed that uh, when we need some real numbers, I do believe that we should try to pay more attention on the quantities of the trade, not only on the values of that well in this year i expect that there will be more interactions between different parties in the world like for you know united states and eu they are trying to adjust their relationship i mean uh, through the atlantic and also uh, there are more relationships to be adjusted between europe and africa well i i believe that most of the uh, stable point of this year is the relationship between China and the ASEAN countries and those countries in our sub region. Mm. With a better recovery of the economy and more confidence on the relationship, the trade relationship, and more innovation on the trade, I do believe that uh, the structure the map of the international trade will have some little bit change this year compared with several you know previous years and china will be one of the center for the global supply chain to be connected which will provide more opportunities for those countries Mm -hmm. and i have to admit that there are so many you know uncertainties we have to be careful about that because that uh, if we cannot deal with those things those risks the international trade must be a
1: Mm. So know. so China is committed to spur the domestic demand and boost the private sector confidence. So what are the steps that the government will take in this regard, do you think?
3: You know, the, the key to consumption is jobs, disposable income, and confidence. Um, if you don't have those uh, last three, you, you, you can't spur anything. So right now, uh, they, they haven't outlined anything new. But prior, they were talking, you know, they had already implemented um, lower taxes or no taxes, lower fees, uh, decrease in regulation. This is to spur these small, medium-sized business entities that are a key to the uh, Chinese economy, 90% of new jobs, 80% of existing jobs. Um, they, you know, the real estate sector, um, they made it very clear that this is going to be orderly, but they're not going to allow, uh, excess speculation. As was said, real estate is to live in, not speculate on uh, local government debt continues to be an issue. There's going to have to be some bailouts uh, there, um, and that was due to, you know, the effects of COVID, but also during that whole period, revenues declined as government, uh, you know, instituted programs to try to encourage and maintain uh, existing businesses. So, uh, the, you know, a lot of people will be looking to see how uh, the approach to SMEs is fleshed out. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's always going to be about the actual numbers. Mm. Uh, a lot of that has to do with delivering finance to SMEs.
1: Mm. And so, uh, so Dr. Joe, private sector's role in the nation's economy has also been emphasized during this year's two sessions. So what do they need and what further measures can be taken, do you think?
2: Uh, I think that uh, most of the things that they want to have is a stable environment because that the world is changing very quickly and uh, the private sectors, they are also get a lot of pressures, not only from the market, but also from the confidence. So if they are able to see that the future is bright and there will be more sustainable support from the policy and also from the interactions between the different companies, they will be able to try to put more uh, emphasis on the uh, kind of research and development and also to try to do some Uh, marketing. If they cannot believe that, they will have very short-term investment. Well, the second is that they need more stable institutional environment, not only in China, but also between China and other countries. That is something that we can provide the agreements, the free trade agreements and also the bilateral investment treaties and even more, uh, more solutions in WTO and other kind of mechanisms.
1: Mm-hmm. And Dr. Zhou, so the government has raised the budget deficit for this year to 3 percent from 2.8 percent. So how much of a difference would this make?
2: I think that first of all, uh, it is not our, you know, our kind of increase to uh, make the government unsafe on that level. Uh, it's not very a uh, big change compared with uh, previous years. And the second is that we have, you know, not only the number, the percentage of the deficit, it is also about the structure because in the previous years we have put so much money on some kind of uh, uh, solutions to prevent the spread of the virus. But nowadays, the things has changed. We could spare more time on some of the very important things, the fundamental things about infrastructure, about education, about providing better support from uh, different kind of connections in the 5G or different issues. So nowadays, we see that the world has changed or have sped up the, you know the transfer uh, uh, from the traditional ways for AI driven economy mm-hmm. and I do think that uh, that will need much more attention from the government side. so for the deficit I do believe it's a kind of uh, uh, active active attitudes towards the change the government is trying to catch up with the private sectors and even lead some you know direction to provide their mm-hmm. directions for development. Well, we have to understand that uh, there are still some problems we have to deal with because that we cannot leave the debt that we already have. Mm. We have to carefully deal with that. That is another issue about the risks. Mm. So, you know, from the two sessions, we have put much attention on avoid the systematic risk spurs. That is another issue.
1: Mm. And so I so the government work report also says China should effectively prevent and diffuse major economic and financial risks, including those related to the property sector and local government debt. So how will China balance the need for this uh, risk management with formulating growth and supporting policies?
3: Well, I agree with Professor Zhu. This is all about the long term. I mean, if you're a business person and you're going to make a, a decision about an investment that's going to take five to 10 years to mature, you, you don't wanna hear about a start-stop economy, the kind of um, you know go, <laughs> stop and go uh, that you get from, um, especially uh, Western uh, countries like uh, right now with the, the Fed and things like this. Um, so he, China is making very clear that it's slow and steady. Uh, it's about long-term uh, commitment and development. In terms of the uh, debt, yes, it has to be dealt with, um, but new revenue sources have to be developed. Uh, in terms of uh, other long-term, Um, things yeah i mean uh, china has proven that it can deliver a lot of uh, the hope is on the digital economy Mm -hmm. Uh, remember that the digital economy is about efficiency Uh, to the extent that i can lower the cost of living for people everywhere that is productivity that means more money in their pocket i've increased their disposable income which in turn drives uh, the consumption economy and um, the efficiencies from that are a large part where the, where the government is going.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Zhou, what do you think will be the digital economy's role in China's whole economy?
2: I was uh, uh, invited to take part in different kind of uh, discussion about the digital economy. So, at the beginning of last year, we have uh, issued the planning of the country. How can we change from the traditional ones to the digital economy? Actually, it's happened, it's really, you know, impacted a lot of uh, companies and some of my friends was uh, invited to go to a very big uh, Chinese uh, companies to change from the traditional ways to uh, like to be digitalized. So the digital economy has a a very, you know, unchangeable uh, impact on on the traditional ways of China markets to reform. So it has uh, put a lot of uh, requirement not only for the from the government but also from the people from the, the intelligent. The, how can they provide enough person to be able to be uh, you know uh, useful and uh, they cannot be let down by the digital economy? So it's a kind of a real tra- real challenge. And uh, at the same times, you know, when we are expanding the digital economy, there are still uh, a lot of differences in different countries, what we call is a digital gaps. So actually that China is working very hard with other countries or even members of WTO to work out what can we do to create some uh, initiatives or agreements, not only multilateral, maybe it's a plural national that uh, we can uh, set up some new rules for the international trade and investment. Mm-hmm. So the digital e- Economy is a kind of things that uh, we cannot stop, and uh, I, I think that everyone should trying to work hard to welcome the you know this new age come, and we we should try to change our uh, ourselves to be adaptable, adaptable to the new. A digital economy development.
1: Mm. And I know so, employment is also quite an important issue, and China aims to create 12 million urban jobs this year and target a unemployment rate of around 5.5%. So, what could be done to help the young people to find jobs?
3: Well, uh, there has to be some reordering of expectations, and also the economy has to adjust to the, um, you know, to what Professor Zhu was talking about in terms of the digital economy. Uh, they don't need as many uh, college graduates as they need people who have the uh, vocational skills and training uh, to support this um, real economy. When not real economy, digital economy. That means uh, you have. You know, it's not just. Programmers and things like this. What we're talking about is people who understand how to uh, take technology and apply it to automation. Um, very, very important. You see the gains that are necessary for food security for China. That is a lot of that can be done by consolidating areas of land so that you have larger plots that then can then use automated uh, seeders, spreaders, uh, you know, etc., and harvesters. Um, much more efficiently. They can cut the amount of fertilizer that they use and also pesticides simply by using uh, drones, which can uh, literally, and, uh, and other machines that can literally see where it is necessary and only apply there. That cuts costs. Uh, so this is the kind of thing that, that is necessary. Uh, right now, You know, a lot of the, the emphasis is on STEM and things like that, and it'll continue to be there as uh, you know China's growth in that area continues. Remember, the ASPI uh, study that was an Australian group that was funded by the US State Department showed that China was ahead in 37 out of 44 key areas. Now, part of that was propaganda from the US side to try to push it, but the reality is that China China is now far ahead of the game in terms of implementing and creating this new digital economy. And this is where the jobs are going to and opportunities are going to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Some are talking about flexible employment and gig economy. So tell us how many people are working at this kind of uh, platform jobs in China and why do people work this way?
3: Well, there's a number of reasons. It's the opportunities. It's about two hundred million right now, which is a quarter of China's workforce. And uh, it's everything from drivers to people who stand in line for you, to um, you know coders, um, people who are able to do things uh, remotely, especially. they they do project by project. Um, you know, obviously everyone thinks of DD drivers and things like this, uh, Alibaba came out with a, um, a projection that there'd be 400 million gig economies. I would tend to disagree. Uh, there are, uh, issues with gig economy in terms of, you know, it, how, how, how stable is it? Uh, you're not working for a large corporation. You're basically, you're on your own. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a lot more difficult. And one of the big issues with the gig economy, which possibly, Uh, could help is the fact that um, insurance, uh, medical, and also um, uh, pension and things like that, if it is handled by the state, it then does give a lot more uh, freedom for people to explore what they want uh, in terms of flexibility of lifestyle versus also ability to earn money.
1: Mm -hmm. And Dr. Zhou, so how will these platform jobs be fitting into China's economy? The platform
2: is... uh kind of, uh, you know, form that China is very capable of. We see the different plant have emerged in China in the past decade, and they have provided so many opportunities, not only for the for the people, for the individuals, but also for many companies. So the platform is, uh, you know, very useful for China because China is a big market and there are so many differences. So the platform can reduce uh, asymmetry of the information spread and provide better connections to try to fit uh, the demand and uh, the supply. So the platform is also have uh, many requirements. You know, the government has provided provisions to. To, to auditing that and it has uh, you know extended its uh, arenas to not only you uh, know China's market but also to many other countries and i think that, that uh, the cooperation of the platforms i mean from one platform to another is a uh, Another issue we should try to uh, talk about the the criteria, kind of standards and interactions or inter, you know, the operation that will provide a better support for the universal uh, standard on the safety, on the, you know, how can we share our information and uh, protect our privacy. And the consumers online is also one of the priorities for the RCEP to protect. So in this regard, I do believe that platform will change the behaviors of the people and they will have less cost when they are trying to to do transactions and they can get what they want to have Mm -hmm. from the platforms.
1: Mm -hmm. And Aina, so China is also shifting to developing the green economy. So tell us more about that. Is it firmly on track and what industries will be focused on and what opportunities does it bring?
3: Well, China currently leads the world in uh, the, the three big uh, alternatives, wind, solar and nuclear, and um, it, that is expected to continue. You see huge orders coming in across the world as people, uh, especially Europe, tries to shift its uh, energy sources away from imported oil and gas towards uh, a sustainable um, uh, you know energies and things like this um and that is and they're also concerned about the green side so uh, china has an advantage in, the, in terms of the economies of scale uh, they've shown this consistently they're able to uh, ramp up and apply new technologies uh, that can then be uh, produced very efficiently in china in ways that cannot be done other uh, in other places because it's not just the labor cost, it has a lot to do with the clustering, getting all the components necessary in order to build what, you you know, the, you know, these green, um, uh, new economy, uh, green new sources of energy and things like this. So uh, China is uh, going to do well. So, mm.
1: And I know also the international community is watching very closely China's success in things like technology, uh, like rural revitalization and food security. So those are also big headlines out of this year's two sessions. So could you tell us more about that?
3: Well, uh, right now, I mean, if you look at any projection uh, for growth in the world, it's clear the developed world is going to be lagging significantly behind and dragging down uh, world GDP growth. Uh, China is going to be leading the charge, will probably be somewhere between a third and a half of global growth, maybe even more. Um, So yes, uh, they're looking very closely at China and there's, you know, there's two camps there. There's one that uh, does not want China to succeed because they feel threatened by China's success, just nonsense because if China succeeds, they succeed. Uh, And the others, um, you know, the realistic ones, the uh, private side, they're cheering China on. Uh, They just want clarity in terms of how China is going to approach uh, this coming year. And um, I think the two sessions was a clear indication that it's going to be slow, steady, long-term growth that uh, China is going to try and encourage. And I think that's going to be well-received as people digest it.
1: Mm -hmm. And Dr. Zhou, so people are also talking about the consistency in the economic policy from China. So what does this uh, consistency mean for the global growth in a world of rising uncertainty?
2: I think the consistency is uh, kind of stable. We can see that Chinese uh, have a very clear attitude on opening up. So we opened our markets wider and wider. So we promise that uh, we are we will uh, improve our consumption and we will provide more opportunities for all the different uh, companies, no matter where they come from. So we actually did that. We have uh, some uh, commitments that we will have uh, some uh, kind of form to improve the uh, the import from other countries, so we did it. So actually that uh, we know this is a consistency that we are not only trying to consider only our own problems, we are considering about what we have promised and we also consider what other economies want to have from us. So mm-hmm. by this kind of uh, you know attitudes we accept any uh, opinion suggestions from the our partners on the Belt and Road regions and uh, all other related friends. So actually that uh, the consistency is a uh, very important thing for long-term development. That is uh, what we are trying to, trying to achieve in, in this kind of uh, development process.
1: Mm. Well, we're speaking with Dr. Zhou Mi, Senior Research Fellow with Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation, and also Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening.